for all things, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs. It's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwartz. Guys, we are going to dive on into Wild Card Weekend, recapping what we saw. We got to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, and a show it was. We now know it's going to be the Jags. Do we look at them any different now? Well, I'll say this. I for Just for starters for the playoffs, I am so happy that the Chiefs didn't have to deal with any of the Super Wild Card Weekend stuff. Right. Because it seemed kind of stressful for those teams. Not for the Chiefs, who were comfortably sitting at home, not worried about whether or not Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins are going to beat him, or if you're Cincinnati, if you were going to need a 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown on the two-yard line in order to get your win. Because if that ball goes in the end zone, I think Cincinnati loses. So I'm glad to avoid that. And as far as the Jags go, yes. When the Chiefs faced them, they were 3-6. and They didn't know who they were yet. Trevor Lawrence hadn't taken off yet. They were still playing bad defense to be honest they still needed time under Doug Peterson to kind of rediscover or just discover not re who they were since then they've won all but one of their games they got their ass kicked by Detroit but that was it they had won the game right before Kansas City so they had two losses in the final 10 games of the season and those were against you know near playoff or playoff caliber teams and they look better Trevor Lawrence looks way better the defense played a lot better down the stretch they Found a way to use ETN the best. They're using all their free agent weapons. They're definitively a better team than when the Chiefs faced them. Turned the ball over three times and still won by double digits. You can't do that again and expect it to go the same way. I take them more seriously than I did, but I still think the Chiefs are better. Yeah, I take them more seriously, and it's weird because I can look at both sides of it. I could say, well, you throw four interceptions against the Chiefs and the game is going to be over. The flip side is... I don't really expect Trevor Lawrence to throw four interceptions in a game. Like that was as bad as he can play. So that's the one thing that's a little disappointing. Trevor Lawrence had the worst game of his life in 2023, but unfortunately it was the week before he played the Chiefs. Now, so we know that there's a floor there that's pretty low, but I don't imagine he's going to do that again. And so I take them a lot more seriously. This is a different team than we saw back in week 10 and even even though that game was weird because the Chiefs really did everything they could to not put the Jaguars away. They won by 10, but I think they committed three turnovers in that game. Trevor Lawrence wasn't bad, but that was not the Trevor Lawrence that we've seen since then. Since then, we've seen them open up the vertical passing game in a way they just weren't earlier in the season. Christian Kirk, I mean, think about all the jokes we made about Christian Kirk before the season. Like, really? You're going to give this guy $20 million a year? He was a third-string slot receiver in Arizona, and he's getting the last laugh because Christian Kirk's having a career year. Evan Ingram, they got up the scrap heap from New York, and he's turned into like a top-five tight end in the NFL all of a sudden. They've got something working down there, right? Like kudos to Doug Peterson for massaging or pushing the right buttons and figuring out a way to bring the best out of out of Lawrence because there was a time, I mean, right around that Chiefs game, I think they were three and seven at that point. They were. Is yeah. it, we were kind of like, is this ever going to work for Trevor Lawrence? Is he ever going to be that guy? 
And to think now the conversations that you'd be having about that team if you're a Jags fan, which is, hey, even if they lose to the Chiefs, the future's bright. They got the right coach. They got the right quarterback. You get a historic win in the Super Wild Card Week, and you're feeling really good. With all that being said, the Chiefs are nearly double-digit favorites for a reason because I can't really find a weakness on the Jags, but I also can't find one obvious well, competitive advantage that they have over Kansas City. They're diet Chiefs. Like, they, they really are. I know we joke about that, but that's what they are. They're like... They're the, the 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 mild version of them. They've got the diet version of Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, guy who came from his system, is very creative. Doug Peterson, that fourth and one call, great. Well, Andy's the best at that. So, okay, they got the little more creative head coach. Then you talk about playmakers. Kirk has had a good year. Zay Jones has had a good year. But even the Chiefs, like this isn't even like a Jamar Chase situation. Somehow the Chiefs have the better weapons in this regard, especially when you tie in Travis Kelsey to it. The Jags' pass rush has gotten better in the second half of the season. The Chiefs' pass rush has gotten better than theirs in the second half of the season. The Jags have blocked better from the offensive line since then. The Chiefs have been one of the top-ranked offensive lines during that stretch. It just feels like they're a little bit worse at everything the Chiefs do. I think that's how that number ballooned up to that figure because they're the largest favorite of the weekend. And, you know, the it's not like that's not having the other side. The Giants are taking on the number one seed. They were also just a nine-win football team, similar to that as Jacksonville. And yet one of these teams finds itself in the playoffs and the other doesn't. And so, Or both of them find themselves in the spot. But one's a nine-and-a-half-point underdog. And so, like, they're just they, – they scare me because of Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, which are the two things that obviously scare you out of pretty much every quarterback-coach combo, especially in the playoffs. But they don't scare me really outside of that. Like, Kayla, Nick, if I asked you, I said, hey, tell me the next scariest thing. Like, we all think coaching quarterback. That's what makes a team scary. What's the thing beyond that that really scares you about Jacksonville? And maybe you say ETN. Like, what's the answer outside of that? It's not really the pass rush, not really ETN. So it's, you know, they don't they don't come off as daunting that way. It's not the, like, we've joked. It's not the take them not serious at all. But I think the Chiefs are just a little bit better everywhere. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question. And I know we have two more episodes to go before this weekend. But... Do are we scared of Jacksonville in any way based on what we saw? I mean, Trevor Lawrence took a page out of Mahomes' book, throwing a handful of interceptions and still somehow pulling out a win. Um, like, like we said, they are a better team than we faced last or earlier in the season. He's got a little cutthroat to him. That that scares you with any quarterback you face, similar to Burrow, right? He threw four picks and played like ass. He could have just rode off into the sunset and called that one a loss. And instead, he led four consecutive touchdown drives to finish that game. Touchdown, 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 which they needed every single one of. So I don't like that. I don't like that he's a cutthroat. But still, I mean, overall, it just feels like too early. Like, uh, talk, to me, talk to me next year, two years. I don't know. What? And there's that stat about him never losing on a Saturday. Yeah, he is undefeated well, on a Saturday. The one thing I would, I would look at and say, that, like maybe something to keep, keep your eye on, is during this six-game winning streak by the Jags, they have 19 sacks, which is third in the NFL, tied with, ironically, Chiefs. They have 19 in their last six games. They've played 18 games this year. So in their previous 12, they had 19. So in half as many games, they have the exact same amount of sacks. Their pass rush has come alive. A little interesting nugget here. I was going to save it for later in the week, but it's too late now. You know who's on the Jaguars' defensive staff? 
a man by the name of Bob, Bob Sutton. Sutton. Bob Sutton, he is a senior defensive assistant. Chiefs fans may remember he was the much maligned defensive coordinator for several years under Andy Reid. So they, they like you said, they're the diet Chiefs, Cody. They follow like almost every single trend, which is that they have a pass rush that like season long was horrible. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL. And then all of a sudden, boom, they've got guys like their leading sack getter had six sacks this year. Makes no sense whatsoever, but they're young and they're talented. And I just keep going back to Doug Peterson. Like if you had me pinpoint one thing, one thing that frightens me the most and i'm not frightened i think the chiefs will win this game but if you had to point to one thing that you'd say what where's where's an edge that philadelphia might be able to exploit i'm not saying doug peterson is better than andy reed i'm saying doug peterson is a damn good coach and on any given sunday right air quotations like he can out coach you he's that good i think he's yeah. on the short list of best coaches in the nfl he showed that with what he was able to do in really short time in philadelphia and what he's doing in really short time in jacksonville that guy is a gamer in late game situations. Two minutes to go if this game's tight. That's the guy I don't want to see on the other team's sideline. Well, Nick, I'm relieved to hear you say you think we'll beat the Jags, which brings us to our next topic. You know topic. what? No, you know what? Before we even get to that next topic. <laughs> what would you like to say? What would you like to say? The floor is yours. Oh, you think here's the here's the problem, Kaylee. You seem just based off your tone, I think that you think I'm about to apologize. That's not <laughs> in fact, I am requesting an apology from both of you for what? throwing me under the bus on social media over the weekend. <laughs> you guys could have said, you know what? He's our guy. We stand by him through thick and thin. But no, you guys not only threw me under the bus, but then you piled it on again after the game. And it's really making me reconsider my alliance with you two. Well, oh. you're stuck with yours if you guys want to apologize to me. I'm not going to apologize. You should apologize for choosing the Chargers. You knew better. We didn't you go against our team. Charger. And Caleb. Look. team. I thought we were a team. <laughs> and I you went so against too. us. And you picked the Chargers. Listen, I said the Chiefs didn't have Super Bowl vibes. I didn't say the Chargers did. They just happened to be the team. So I think you guys should just let that one slide. I think we can officially say the Chargers did not have Super Bowl vibes. I think that's, <laughs> no, they didn't. They that's did. official. I actually almost texted you on the side. Just being like, hi, I'm just joking. I didn't want you to like. <laughs> it's just all, all in good fun. It's he had a, all the lights off in his house. He was just like <laughs> weeping, like yeah, under, underneath a blanket. <laughs> had, I had like back boys playing. You handled it well. Uh-huh. Okay, yes. As we are alluding to, the Chargers lost in hilarious fashion. Is this yet another sign, guys? The Chiefs will own this division forever. They blew a 27-point deficit. This was shocking. I didn't see this coming. The Nick Char definitely didn't see it coming. No. Well, I mean, I bet he felt pretty good when they were up 27 to nothing about that prediction. But they are a they are a joke. They are a joke franchise. Like, haha, look how funny you are. You're a massive joke to all of us. You're the butt of every joke. You're just good enough to like make playoffs or play in important games and just funny enough to be an absolute laughing stock because whether you had Phillip Rivers, who threw for 60,000 career passing yards, or now have Justin Herbert, who is one of the five most talented quarterbacks in the NFL, 
You still Chargers so hard. You can't help it. You were up 27 points. The other team was plus five in turnovers. Just so you know, they, they run those things in like the analytics, right? Oh, the analytics would tell you the Chargers had after winning five, nothing in the turnover battle, a 100% chance of winning it. Turns out you can't do math. That would also factor in what happens if the Chargers just do their thing, which is blow a game in a way that can't even be blown. It's not like they started turning it over, Nick. They just let a team score on them every time, and they started punting and refused to run the ball. They were up 27 points and ran it six times after that. That's, like, actually hard to do. Borderline impossible, maybe. It was, honestly, it brought me great joy. Of all the things to enjoy this weekend, that was my favorite. That was my favorite moment. I really <laughs> liked it. Listen, one thing I want to actually have I'm I'm mad about is win probability charts in general. It should be extinct in all sports. Like yes. I don't need you to tell me that a team has a 99% chance of winning when they're up by 27. You know what tells me that they have a 99% chance of winning? The fact that they're up 27 to nothing. I understand math. I understand football. I get it. You don't need to tell me like, "Hey, ESPN said the game was over." Yeah, guess who else said that the game was over? Everyone. My mother, my cat told me the game was over. I don't even have <laughs> that, but that's kind of the point. Like I knew the game was over. You shouldn't there is never an excuse. Don't care the circumstances, don't care the opponent, don't care if your quarterback and your head coach both get injured on the same play and have to be carted off the field. There is no scenario in which any team should ever blow a 20 step. The game is over. The game is over. I don't care if the other team has Patrick, like a super team, right? Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill on the roster. You cannot and should not ever blow a lead like that. So I don't really know who to point the finger at and, and to say like it's this person's, everybody gets a piece of that pie, right? The, 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 the quarterback gets some blame, the coach gets some blame, the GM, the owner, the fans. Honestly, I think even the fans deserve some blame. Like if you are affiliated with the Chargers in any capacity, you have to shoulder some of this because there's no excuse and maybe more importantly, there's no coming back from that. Like you will have to wear that as a franchise forever. And the, I, maybe you were about to say this, Cody, but the Chiefs can tell you that firsthand. How long did they have to wear that loss to the Colts? I mean, really until they won the Super Bowl, right? Well, and here's the thing. So, like, yeah, the Chiefs have had a playoff loss just as bad as what we saw from what the year Chargers. Was that, was that so eleven? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so they can joke, right? The Chargers fans be like, "Oh, you've never done that." Here's the the big difference in this: is those losses are supposed to stop when you get the franchise quarterback. Chiefs didn't have the franchise quarterback. They had Alex Smith. Then they got Patrick Mahomes, and that shit stopped. They didn't blow huge leads. Not 27-point leads. Anyone can lose a lead in a playoff game. No one's coming on this show and just yucking it up on the Chargers if they blow a 17-point lead. Sure, we'll like be like, oh, man, they had a big lead and they blew it. But they blew a 27-point lead. That's a massive lead. That's supposed to end. Staley looked rough coming out of that effort. By the way, all the reports are they're bringing him back. So good news, Chiefs fan. I don't think Brandon Staley's. Oh, yeah. All the reports are that they might Spanos, their owner, <clears throat> You know, like the general manager, all this stuff. They're big on, and Tom Telesco, they're big on not letting one guy have all the power. So they'll probably make Brandon Staley make some changes to his coaching staff. I would probably start with offensive coordinator, but they won't fire him. I think they'll pay him the $4 million he's owed.
I'm going to be honest with you. This is going to be maybe a hot take. I don't think they should fire him. I think it's easy to pick on Brandon Staley for that loss specifically or for what happened in week 18 when he's or every other loss and Mike Williams gets injured. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's ways to pick on them. But if we want to make the jokes about the Chargers, right? And we do. Lord knows we want to make the jokes about Chargers. We, do. we don't get to do that and basically in doing so highlight the fact that this is a joke of a franchise and then also say, but you deserve better as your head coach. I'm not sure you do. You're the Chargers for a reason. Chargering is a thing for a reason. You don't exactly have the best track record of success as a franchise. So maybe you should think twice before assuming that the grass is greener and that if you fire Brandon Staley, all of a sudden you're going to get the guy. And I know it's so easy to point to, well, what about Sean Payton, right? Well, you have to pay Sean, you have to back up the Brinks truck, right? You're going to have to pay a lot of money for Sean Payton. And even he, like, I, we love doing this too. Coach takes a year off and we're saying, oh yeah, well, he's the greatest thing ever. Sean Payton's the greatest coach of all time. Do you not remember the conversations that we had annually about Sean Payton? Yeah. Where they would win 11 or 12 games every single year. They would get the one or the two seed every single year. And what did they do every single year? They flopped in the playoffs. Exactly what we are criticizing them for doing this year. So just to think that all of a sudden it's going to be Super Bowl or bust every year with Sean Payton, I think would be a little bit of revisionist history. So I get it. Like he deserves a ton of credit. Does Brandon Staley. But I don't think that that automatically means you should fire him and assume that the next coach is going to be better. Is it impressive that uh, Sean Payton didn't get labeled a quitter? Like, he's straight up just been like, I'm not coaching that team. They stink. That team, they stink. And I'm not doing that. They stink. And he's been so, he's been so outward about the fact that he's now looking to get back in. Like, he was on calling, he was on Fox Sports Radio. He was on national television on Monday saying like, yep. Yeah, the, the, uh, the window for me to do interviews opens on Tuesday. And guess what? I'm taking interviews. I'm interested. Who wants to I, hire me? It's like, dude, you just retired less than a year ago. I did that, though, because that team stinks. And I didn't want to do that job anymore. And now I want to they're go, awful. I want to go to a good team now. <laughs> but he's, he does want the Chargers job, doesn't he? That's his first choice. I would assume. I mean, it's Justin Herbert. That's the job I'd want. That's he's the best quarterback in Manhattan in Beach. Yeah, he's liking that SoCal life. It's so weird to come full circle here. We may have mentioned this before, but you know, Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, <laughs> was the offensive coordinator under Sean Payton in New Orleans. So if you hire Sean Payton, I would assume he's going to then have to fire his former offensive coordinator. Because like, that's what this is all about. In coaching, we always hear this when coaches talk about uh, why they're succeeding, why they're fa- relationships, right? It's all about relationships. You want guys you trust. You want guys you have that built-in relationship with. Uh, there is no offensive coordinator Sean Payton has a better relationship with than Joe Lombardi. But I'd imagine if you're taking that job, keeping him is going to be a non-starter, right? That's such, yeah. a, that would be such a weird dynamic to see how that would play out. Really quick, before we move on, I was working the Kings game during this game, and half the staff at the Kings game either also work Chargers games or are former Chargers employees. So the whole night, everyone knew I was obviously very much rooting for the Jags. And even my stage manager said at the half, he goes, they're going to blow this. He goes, they're not a second half team. 
And sure enough, it happened. And so on headset all night, everyone was like, this is Kayla's fault. She cursed us. Thank you. Well, thank you for doing that. I didn't know you were so responsible for that loss. So we owe you. We are indebted to you, Kayla. I do what I can, guys. All right. After the trouble, the three best quarterbacks are all in in the final round. Can Lawrence enter the chat if he pulls out a win against the Chiefs? Wildcard weekend was just that wild. He he's yeah, it was great. He's he's going to need probably more than just the Chiefs. But this is like the ideal situation for the NFL and exactly how we thought the AFC was shaping up to be. It's the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. So let's just start there. It's Herbert, or I'm sorry, it's Burrow, it's Mahomes, and Allen. It's the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. We all assume they'd be here in the Final Four. They are. They will probably be amongst the Final Four teams a lot, like just based on the way this thing shakes out and how good they are. Really what we're waiting for is, will it be a rotation of the fourth guy, or will one more of these guys find their way in the conversation more regularly? Like wh- whoever it's going to be. That could have been Herbert, now Trevor Lawrence. I think if he beats the Chiefs, he's on the doorstep. But I still think it takes a Super Bowl trip to do it because we didn't want to take Cincinnati all that serious. And then they beat the Chiefs, but they went to the Super Bowl. And now we know Burrow belongs in that conversation. Not a soul would ever argue the conversation that took place middle of last year, which was Burrow or Herbert, because one guy has cemented his place in this conversation. We still think it's Mahomes all on his own little level. But in the AFC, it is three guys. It is Burrow, it is Herbert, it is Mahomes. If you beat two of them on the way to the Super Bowl and you're Trevor Lawrence and beat the other young, or sorry, Burrow, Mahomes, and Allen. If you beat Herbert, then Mahomes, then either Burrow or Allen, I don't know how you couldn't be in the conversation, right? I think there's, I think I may have just invented a new test on the fly to figure out, to test ourselves to decide whether or not a guy is in that category or not. Imagine if the Jaguars start two and three next year. Imagine if they start one and four. Will we still sit here and say, don't worry about the Jags, they have Trevor Lawrence? Or will we say, "Eh, maybe he's not as good as we thought? Because I think we all would say the same thing, which is, "Eh, I'm not so sure. Like if they- Gonna need to see more. If they beat the Chiefs and lose to the Bills, or if they beat the Chiefs and then beat the Bills and then lose to the Eagles. Yeah. I think we'll enter next year saying, mm, we still need to see a little bit more because we did that with Joe Burrow this year. right? Then the, we stopped, right? I mean, at some point, they started slow and we were like, nope, they're yeah. fine. I think they started two and three. Yeah. So we kind of wondered, oh, is this that hangover that we see from teams that lose in the Super Bowl? Because remember, it was really about the same time that, that Lawrence started going on his run this year where Burrow started turning it on with about a yeah. month and a half to go at the end of last season. So there was sort of this trepidation of, are we sure that this isn't just a quarterback who's riding a hot streak or is he really in that mix? We, we have a pretty high threshold. We did it with, I mean, kind of going back in reverse, like we did it with Josh Allen too. We needed to see it for two years before we said, okay, this guy's got some staying power. He's legit. Lawrence, the last two times we've seen him, he was really bad against Tennessee in the regular season finale. The defense made some huge plays to bail them out. And he was as bad as you could possibly play in the first half of that game against the Chargers, which give him credit for coming back. But like I said earlier, you get down 27 to nothing, or you're up 27 to nothing and the other team wins. I don't care what the other team did. You lost that game. You blew that game. There's no excuse for it. So I'm still waiting to see Trevor Lawrence just go holy bleep mode. 
because we've seen it from all those guys. We've seen it from Mahomes a million times. We've seen it from Allen a million times. We've seen it from Burrow a bunch. We haven't quite seen that from Trevor Lawrence. Maybe in a few spots in the regular season, but he's going to have to do that against the Chiefs. It can't just be a win. It would have to be he throws for 300 yards, four touchdowns, and is just tearing the defense apart. Same thing. You have to do it again the next week, again the next week after that. Like We need to see it several times before I'm willing to put you in that elite category because there's a reason we call it elite because there's only so many spots to hand out. We don't just give them out willy-nilly. Well, and he, he hasn't had the regular season to couple with it, Nick. I mean, 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, and eight picks. It's a fine year. I'm not trashing it. It's good. It's a good year. Alex Smith had a lot of years like that. Where do you guys – I'm kidding. Year. Where do you guys have him right now? Like, where would you rank Trevor Lawrence amongst starting quarterbacks in the NFL? Is he top 10? Hmm. I just feel like we haven't uh, seen uh, enough no, of him yet. My gut says no. Um, okay, without, let, me, like, let me give you guys, let me give you some non... If he loses to the Chargers, are we still having this conversation? No. Uh, no, no, absolutely not. No Then way. we'd be having the conversation about Justin Herbert, probably. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, like, if I gave you Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Brady... Uh, I mean, who else? Who do we, who do we go to from there? Jalen Her- Herbert, Herbert, right? I mean, people are going to still have the Dak Prescott. I mean, there's seven Dak, right there. Yeah. Uh, Depends on what you still think of Aaron Rodgers or right. what you think about Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, he's fringe, he's fringe top ten. So if we're saying he's fringe top ten, you have a ways to go before you're being mentioned with Mahomes and Allen and Burrow. We're at the part of the season where I get nervous even saying these things out loud because I get so nervous for these games and I don't want to jinx anything. Well, I don't think the good news is I don't think Joe Burrow listens to this podcast. <laughs> He's taking this as his bulletin board material or, or you know, Trevor Lawrence listens to this <laughs> podcast. I don't think they listen to this and be like, what the fuck, man? Cody, why, man? You know that I'm top 10. I'm like, I'm sorry, Trevor. I just wanted to like see it in a big game. He's like, fine, then you will. Like, I, you know. <laughs> I don't think it's that way. And I also can't tell if like the one thing I don't know about Lawrence yet, because he had a great second half, as you pointed out, Nick, and he had some of that killer instinct in that game that I don't feel like her. I I really feel like Herbert doesn't have. I'm starting to feel that way about him, but I don't know if he's like, uh, or as Nick likes to put, I don't know if he's got that dog in him yet. I know that (laughs) about Burrow. I know that about Allen. I know that about Mahomes. Uh, kind of, I mean, a little bit more from Lawrence. So there were two games. There was that two-game stretch where they beat the Lions, or not the Lions. It was the the the, the Titans. Titans. It was the Titans. Titans. Yeah. It was the first Titans game where they kind of had to have it, and then they came back the next week and beat the Cowboys. And he was incredible in both of those games. And I think that was the moment where he said, "Okay, has the light sort of flipped on for him?" Which I think it has. But again, that does that that may be because if Trevor Lawrence's ceiling is Dak Prescott, that's a great ceiling to have, right? You are you're going to get paid a ton of money. You're going to be a starter for 15 years in the NFL. Your team's probably going to win a bunch of games. You're going to go to the playoffs and you're going to, you know, compete a few times. But you're going to lose to those other three guys to get to that next level is like you're a Super Bowl contender every year because that's the way we view those three quarterbacks and those three teams. And that's a really tough benchmark to meet. A little unrelated, but related. Did watching 
the Bengals and Bills game make us feel at all anyway a little better? A little. Because of how close they were? I think that they're way more human than I thought they were like uh, eight weeks into the season. But really, since the Bills lost Von Miller, I felt that way. Their defense, absent Von Miller, Mm -hmm. um, it's not the same. So, I, you know, like I already feel like the Bills are more human. I still worry about Cincinnati a little bit. I know that they were two yards away from losing that game to Baltimore. But the one thing to be said about both those games is it's third games against divisional opponents. Those games can get weird sometimes, especially a playoff game. I think that they're human. I also just happen to think the Chiefs are human. So it's it still feels very toss-uppy to me. It's not like the Chiefs are so much better than those teams. Right. But at, at a different part of the year, you probably could have talked me into like the Bills were, you know, like not human. They were going to like steamroll the AFC and they were so much more talented. I don't think either of those teams are more talented than the Chiefs. They might be on par with, but I don't feel like anybody in the NFL, including that team, is more talented than they are. Do we agree with everyone on social media saying that if Miami had Tua, they'd win. If Ravens had Lamar, they'd win. I mean, the games are so different. Um, I mean, on its premise, yeah, but I don't feel like games work like that. I think sometimes you run a different version of yourself when you've Mm -hmm. got the backup. So, you know, I'm a big, uh, big fan of uh, the movie. Not, not only the theory, the butterfly effect, but also the movie starring Ashton Kutcher. It's one I, I never saw it. <laughs> no, it's I didn't so either. Shocker. I didn't either, Caleb, but I, you know, I support what it stands for. I support the, the concept behind it, which is that if you change one thing, it oh, changes yes. a whole lot of other things. And I'm, we can act like, you know, these guys attack every game the same. But if I'm a Buffalo Bills player, and I see it's Skylar Thompson at quarterback instead of Tua Tungavailoa. There is just no way I am attacking that game with the same amount of intensity as I would have. You can act like you will. You can say, no, they take every game seriously. Come on. Skylar Thompson is Skylar a completely Thompson. different quarterback. We saw that. So, yeah, the, Bill, the, the, the Dolphins are better with Tua. But I also think the Bills are probably a little bit more focused. We all know how it is when there's something important on your schedule. You are laser focused. It gets your attention much easier than it does when it's something mundane, like going up against a team that was absolutely floundering at the end of the season with a third string quarterback. So yes and no, I think it's impossible to answer, but Mm -hmm. I I just don't see a scenario where the Bills were losing that game. Copy that. Yeah, I don't like those scenarios where woulda, coulda, shoulda. Like you just can't, it didn't happen, so it doesn't matter. All right, guys. I would agree. Who? Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> well, now I'm saying his real name. I'm supposed to trust him. His real wait, name's not what? Ashton. What is it? Oh, oh wait, I like, know this. I know this. Uh, oh man. No, Carl, I'm gonna is it test. Carl Kutcher? No, it's like it still starts with an A. I think it I think does. It, I don't remember. Don't hold me to this. I just know his name. It's Christopher. Christopher. <laughs> yes, that's it. Christopher Ashton Kutcher. Yep, he's a twin. I did know that. You guys just want to close out? You guys just want to close out <laughs> yeah. Ashton Kutcher discussion? We got 15 minutes left. Let's all say our favorite Ashton Kutcher movie. I don't know where we go from here. Okay. We can be. All right. One, two, <laughs> three. Dude, where's my car? <laughs> I can't. I was like, I'm I was blanking like, on mine. Oh, I like what happens in Vegas or. That's a good one. I get confused between just friends and no strings attached. It's no strings attached. You're like, which Natalie romantic. Corden. Well, you know why you get confused about those movies, Kayla? They're because they, same are, movie. they are the not just essentially like did the same screenwriter make it? <laughs> and they came out at the exact same time, didn't they? Yes. Yes. 
They're like a year apart or maybe even the same year. I don't know. Look at us go. I don't know why we all know so much about Aston Kutcher. <laughs> I don't know how are those two for... romantic comedies from like 2010. And I don't know how we we I don't know how we started talking about my favorite Ashton Kutcher movie. And I didn't just say the butterfly effect, the movie that I had referenced no less than five minutes prior. <laughs> wow. Just mixing it up. And that concludes Ashton Kutcher talk for today. Maybe. I don't want to commit to that. But yeah, we'll, okay. we'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned to find out. Um, okay, back on track, guys. The Titans have asked for EB to interview as an OC. Is the lateral move worth it for Eric Bieniemy, and does it give him a better shot at becoming a head coach eventually? I'm really kind of torn on this because I, I've said he doesn't have, he shouldn't have to. He should already be a head coach. It's nonsense that he has to do this. I think he's been, for whatever reason, being unfairly treated by the league. I don't care if he's the worst interview ever. People have hired so many bad coaches over this time. I can't believe no one would give Eric Bieniemy a shot to be an actual head coach right now. But I actually still think, despite the fact it might be a year too late, this is still the best move. Because if he stays here in Kansas City, he's never going to be a head coach. No one's ever going to give him a chance. Mike Kafka went to New York. He made Daniel Jones look good. You make Daniel Jones look good. He has more interviews to be a head coach this year than Eric Bieniemy. He will get a head coaching job before Eric Bieniemy. So he should just go somewhere with a stable organization and find a place that will respect him and let him run the entire offense, including calling plays. I don't know if that's Pittsburgh, if they decide to get rid of Matt Canada, uh, Tennessee, obviously, because they got rid of Todd Downing. The Jets are looking for a new offensive coordinator. Whoever the team is you decide is a fit. Anybody who will let you call plays is a better decision at this point. I hate that it came to that, but for Eric Bieniemy, if head coach is still his end game and he's not settled into all being offensive coordinator, making a lateral move kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that it would provide is being able to work underneath the defensive head coach, right? So there would be no mistake about who's running the offense and who's yeah. running the plays and Maybe that shouldn't matter, but it does. It does. I think that's always been the biggest thing. I think that's been more than him coaching Patrick Mahomes. We've never seen other offensive coordinators be criticized for working with good quarterbacks. Like Josh McDaniels now on his second head coaching gig solely because of his proximity to Tom Brady. I don't think that really matters as much as, is this guy really calling the plays? How much does he really have to do with it? And you're right, Cody, it shouldn't come down to this, but I also wonder, like, I would love to just be in the room for one of these interviews and try and find out what other teams are scared of that we are not privy to because it's tough to speculate and it's tough to imagine. I mean, these interview processes are lengthy and arduous and I just I don't know what's going on in those rooms that is leading teams to, to be weary of hiring them as the head coach. It can't hurt. We know that much. Unless, I mean, it can't hurt in terms of like, if you think he is a viable offensive coordinator or head coaching candidate, going to Tennessee shouldn't hurt. Now, if you go to Tennessee and the offense is terrible, then, well, that would obviously hurt, but you clearly have nothing to gain by staying in Kansas City other than job security, right? You're never going to get fired as long as you're the offensive coordinator and and you read. And even if it went bad and, Tennessee, he'd get an offensive coordinator job with another team. People will just put it on the quarterback rather than Eric Bieniemy in that case. Matt Nagy, and look, I don't think Matt Nagy should take it. 
as stupid as that is, because he should just continue the same Josh McDaniels thing. He should just keep his proximity to Patrick Mahomes because he has the chip in his pocket to be in him. He doesn't, which is I was a head coach once. I took Mitch Trubisky to two playoff appearances, whatever, right? It's not like we think one's better or not. Like you said, Nick, I mean, he's it's not hyperbole. He is interviewed with half of the NFL. Half. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I think that it's key that he not just take any OC job and that he takes one where he's giving himself a real chance to take that that leap. But it's hard. So like Jesse Newell, he's a writer for the Kansas City Star. He wrote an article today. He talked to all these teams around the league. And essentially, it's just gushing about how the Chiefs are the most innovative team in the NFL, how what they do automatically gets adopted by other teams in the NFL, and how why they are always first. They do things before other teams do them. They are always innovating. And you know what every single organization attributes that to? Andy Reid. And I know that Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy found their way out of his shadow, but for whatever reason, whether it be race or or other, they he hasn't and it sucks but leaving makes sense guys i'm gonna throw out an idea slash dream scenario okay let me know what you think okay say bianami gets a oc job head coaching job whatever and is out do we think that would get cliff kingsbury back from thailand I knew you were gonna say this i knew you were gonna say this and kayla i think that it's it's tough to answer that question because i don't know if andy reed would hire an offensive coordinator that will be you know coaching virtually from bangkok so <laughs> it's difficult pat and cliff together again can you imagine that if i'm cliff that might be the only call i take yeah. Like I'm going to Thailand for an <laughs> indeterminate amount of time. He'd be like, hey, Andy Reid's on the phone. He was thinking maybe you as quarterback coach for Mahomes. He'd be like, okay, let me get one more drink. And then I, I might need to take that phone. I think, uh, give me a second. I think that I, I can't wait in five years if, you know, Kingsbury is still not coaching and he decides to write like a tell-all where he's just like, I just want the world to know how much it sucked working with Kyler Murray for four years. <laughs> I don't think you guys have any idea how awful that dude is to be around because that's clearly why Cliff Kingsbury bought a supposedly one-way ticket to Thailand. You don't just do that because you need some time off. You do that because I need some time off and also I don't even want to think about football because if I do, it's going to make me think of that little brat that I had to coach for the last four seasons. I love that this could also shift the dynamic of the change of generations in NFL head coaches. Be like, he's a millennial head coach. He's like, uh, no, I don't want unlimited PTO and I'm going to take all my vacation and you can't stop me. These are all the things I care about. No more of this. Like, uh, you know, it's about the grind. Fuck that. I'm going to Thailand. I'll see you guys in a few weeks. It's going to be great. See you later. I like, I like the notion that he's just like, no, uh, there are other things in life that are cool. And I have a bunch of money, so I'm going to do them. <laughs> I would love to know all the tea on what went down between those two and just his time in Arizona. I think it must have been a pretty, pretty miserable couple of years down there. I would think so. But I know someone he does like working with, and that is Patrick Mahomes. That's true. I, You know what, though? I bet you a lot of offensive coordinators would be like, hey, are the Chiefs hiring? <laughs> so I know I said leave this job, whatever job they're in, but if Andy Reid calls, at least let me know what he says. I wonder if Pat sent the text yet. Hey, you, that, you, the you up text. <laughs> what time is it in Thailand? 
I don't know. It's got to <laughs> be a 12 hour difference at least. At least. All right. Well, we do have some good news, guys. There will be no Carl Sheffers against the Chiefs this round. And Chiefs fans everywhere rejoiced. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Okay. Great news. He is stuck on Cincinnati and the Bengals. (laughs) Cincinnati and the Bills. Great. Fantastic. Kayla, I wish I could take this as only good news. Does that mean of the four remaining crews that are in the playoffs, Carl Sheffers is in charge of one of them? That would mean that it was like a 50-50 chance, right? He could he can be involved in the next one or 25% chance he can invo- be involved in the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. In case anyone forgot, Carl Sheffers was the lead referee for the Chiefs' Super Bowl loss against the Bucs. He's, he's a curse. Figures. He's a curse. And if you wanted to be NFL is rigged guy, this would be the easiest conversation ever. You know, everyone's like, the Bills, the NFL wants the Bills to win. Here's a quick fact for you. Under Carl Sheffers, the Bills, when he is the head referee, they are 6-1. and one. The Cincinnati Bengals are 1-3. and three. They're giving Oof. them favorable referee matchups in a game that could have been arguably should have been neutral site. I don't like any of this. It stinks. I don't want Carl Sheffers anywhere near the playoffs. I'm glad he's not with the Chiefs this week. But what are the odds we're going to dodge him two more times? I'm scared. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I wonder if he's gotten all the bad call. Like, if I'm Carl Sheffers and you get the Chiefs, are you aware of the amount of eyeballs that are going to be on you? Are you aware of the fact that, hey, this city hates me? Or do you, okay, okay, you're aware. Do you care, though? Because part yes. of me would say I would be a little defiant. I would say, don't tell me how to do my job. <laughs> right? Because if you're a ref and you know, like, if you're being a ref in general, Everybody hates you, right? You're starting from the jump off point of they all hate me. There's nothing a referee can do to walk out of a stadium after a game and then have fans thinking, you know what? You know who was really impressive tonight? The refs. They hate They hate you. They either hate you or don't think about you. There's no third option. So if, I'm, so if you're a ref, you've got to be built a little bit different to where you either don't care or you bask in it. You're like, oh, yeah, you hate me? Guess what? I still got paid. And you're I'm, the wrestling heel. You're yeah, just doing this. Yeah, you're like, well, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 keep moving. Keep it coming. Because guess what? I'm calling the games again next week, and I might be on the call for the AFC Championship, and I might be on the call for the Super Bowl, and there's nothing you can do about it. So if I'm Carl Sheffers, I mean, I'm thankful he's not on the call for the Chiefs game, but there's part of me that wonders, like, is he, does he love it? Does he love that there's an entire city that just hates his guts? Probably. I don't know. He cried, Kayla. Does that change your mind at all? He sounded like he almost wept. I still think they need to implement a rule that says that if you've got a beef with a team, no more roughing that team. It could be called the Carl Sheffers rule. I think if you're an NFL team, you should get one no list. Like, uh, not that one. Pass. (laughs) (laughs) Next next choice. Well, then that begs the question. Like, does he like it or does he actually fear going into Arrowhead? I don't know, man. He's been in this thing for a long time. Um, It felt like that one time they shifted it, but I'll just be, you know what? I've decided to be positive. Let's just be thankful that we get this game and let's worry about the future problems of Carl Sheffers later. Great, Cody. Yes. One game at a time. And for this weekend, we don't have them. Wise, wise decision. All right. That is going to do it for us here on It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. That is Cody Tapp. He is Nick Schwartz. I am Kayla Canaram. We will have... More for you this week as we gear up for the divisional round this weekend. Have a great week, everybody.
Thank you.